What's up, coaches? Hope you're doing well here on the last day of September. Thank you for tuning in to KYPD, where we are your home for all things defensive line play. And before I get to today's episode, I want to thank you for the feedback and response we got from last week's episode, episode 30, which is our second installment of a format of episodes that I'm calling Inside Drill, where instead of bringing on a guest, I walk you through a coaching progression or talk on a topic having to do with defensive line play. And you know what? Occasionally, I'll even dive into topics like press box food or lack thereof and what coaches should and shouldn't be wearing on the sideline. But anyway, I do enjoy doing those episodes. That's a nice little change up for sure. So I hope you're enjoying them as well. Now let's turn our attention to our guest on this week's episode. This week, we welcome a good friend of mine, Tulane strength coach, Kyle Spear. Many of us saw Tulane's last game. Uh, it was Thursday night a, a week ago. Uh, they were they were off this past week. Uh, but we saw Tulane's last game where they orchestrated an unbelievable comeback over Houston. Made possible by a fake kneel down and then just a crazy throw and catch by their quarterback uh, to walk off the game and to cap off one of the most exciting finishes of the football season so far for sure. Anyway, Coach Spear is not only an outstanding coach, but he is – uh, also a close family friend of mine and and really had a profound impact on me as, as a young man and and really any of the success that I've had in my career as a coach today is is due in, in a small part to a conversation that he had with me my junior year of college so I guess I guess I should probably go ahead and, and tell that story really quick because it'll give you a little bit of insight and context into our relationship so uh, anyway it was my junior year of college at Harding University where I was playing football, and we were in the middle of, of a really, actually the beginning of a really tough season. Uh, our head coach had resigned two weeks into the season, and then uh, at this point we had just really been humiliated on, on, on TV uh, and got blown out uh, by the, the number three team in the nation. And, and on top of all that, I wasn't playing as much as, as I thought I should. And so I really made a decision that I was going to quit. I was going to ride the season out uh, to the end of that year, and I was going to quit. With one season left to go, I was going to quit. I was, I was going to walk away. And in my mind, I had justified it and made up my mind, and it sounded good to me. And, and, and it, you know, every time I explained it to other people that I, this is what I was going to do, I felt good about it. Uh, and decided, you know, I was going to go, uh, instead of that last fall of playing, I was going to go volunteer at, at, a, at a local high school somewhere and start my coaching career. And just all that, thought, I, I thought, you know, had it all planned out and thought it sounded really good. And then uh, one night, kind of out of the blue, I remember I was walking across campus and I got a call uh, from Coach Spear, who I, I call him Kyle. Uh, I got a call from Kyle. He said, hey, I was talking with your dad, uh, Kyle, uh, he and his wife, uh, went to church with my family and became very, very close. He was at Sam Houston State uh, for for 12 years, and so um, you know I, I got got to know him really well th- through his time there. So uh, anyway, he was out to de- out to out to eat one night with with my with my parents, and found out that I was planning on quitting football. So he called me and he said, "Hey, I heard that you were planning on quitting football," and I said, "Yeah, Kyle, I am. That's what I'm going to do." And he goes, "No, you're not." And I said, yeah, yeah, Kyle, I am. I'm, I'm quitting. I made up my mind. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And and anyway, uh, what what followed was about a two, two-and-a-half-hour conversation uh, where he basically said, look, um, you know, if you quit, if you do this, first of all, your experience there at Harding, uh, it'll, never, it'll never be the same. And you'll always look back on your time there with some regret and a little bit of embarrassment and shame. And so one day you're going to have to explain to not only the kids that you coach, but to your own kids why you quit. And that's always going to be kind of a weird feeling for you. And he said, those friends that you have now that you're friends with in those programs, your relationship with them is going to change. Uh, your relationship with those coaches is going to change. And he said, you're not ever going to feel like you can really go back and, and feel good about your time there because you quit. And he said, you know, in the span of your life, what's one more year? What's one more year in the span of your life? Uh, he said, He said, not only can you stick it out one year, or should you stick it out one year, but you really need to embrace this next year. And he said, you know, it doesn't even matter uh, about how much you're playing or any of that. None of that matters. He said that the fact is that you, that you need to stick it out. 
And I took that conversation about like you would think a 21-year-old college student who was bent on doing something would take it. I was really angry. And, um, you know, I remember it wasn't a decision that uh, I came up with easily, but eventually I decided I wasn't going to quit. But what I couldn't see uh, at the time was, uh, was that I was being selfish, I was being weak-minded, uh, and I, was, I, I wasn't thinking about the future. I was just thinking about right then and, and, and now. And, and sometimes that's hard for young people to see, you know, to see beyond the moment. And I wasn't seeing that, that really I was about to make a decision that would adversely affect my future and, and really hamper my effectiveness as a coach. I stuck it out, and I, it would be nice to say that 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 story has a really awesome ending where, you know, we went on and have a great season that season, and I played a ton the next year, but really that's not how it went. Uh, we actually were able to pull it together uh, th- that season and have a, have a respectable season. I think we were somewhere around 500. Uh, the next year, my senior year, we weren't very good. Uh, we had a, you know, had under a new coach his first full season as the head coach there, and, and we weren't very good. And I, and I played a little bit more, but not a whole lot. Um, but I am so glad uh, that Kyle in that moment called and told me not what I wanted to hear, but told me what I needed to hear. And, 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 and so for that, uh, I am eternally grateful for him and for uh, him to be that kind of friend and that kind of person to uh, take some time and call me and call me out on some things that I needed to be called out on. And so for uh, for that, I owe him a lot uh, because of, of his willingness to do that. So anyway, there you go. That's a, that's some background in our relationship, uh, one that's that's really stretched over. I think Kyle mentions it some, at some point in this episode. Uh, we've known each other for close to 20 years. Um, and so that explains why we had to break our conversation up into two episodes because, you know, we started talking and it's been a while since we talked. I saw Kyle at the uh, AFCA convention this past uh, winter in, in San Antonio, and we talked for a few minutes there. Uh, he was getting ready to be to, to present. Uh, but other than that, we really hadn't talked much over the years uh, in the last, last few years. And so uh, we started talking for this episode, and I think both of us just sort of forgot that we were recording anything, and it was more like we were just, just talking and catching up. So um, that's that's a, a big reason why we had to split this episode up into two episodes. But be a little more manageable for you to listen to, uh, especially as we are, um, you know, in the middle of football season. So let me go ahead and read Coach Spears' bio, and then we'll jump into part one of our conversation. So honored nationally for his work with student athletes, Coach Spear is in his fourth season as the director of strength and conditioning and head of football for the Tulane Green Wave. In his current capacity, Coach Spear oversees the entire athletic department's strength and conditioning program, and he also oversees the annual NFL Pro Day. Last season, Coach Spears' strength and conditioning program played a pivotal role in helping Tulane capture its fifth bowl win in program history and earn a share of the American Athletic Conference West Division Championship. Prior to the 2019 season, Coach Spear played an active role in the complete redesign of the Greenway's Slayton Family Strength Center. The $1.2 million project features all new equipment that is customized specifically for Tulane student-athletes. And this is a feat that we'll actually get into towards the second half of today's episode. Anyway, a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the National Strength and Conditioning Association and a member of the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association, Coach Spear brings over 20 years of experience to his position. He came to Tulane following two seasons at Georgia Southern, where he played a key role in guiding the Eagles to 17 wins from 2014-2015. During his final season at Georgia Southern, Coach Spear helped guide the Eagles to their first ever bowl victory following a 58-27 win over Bowling Green. In his first season with Georgia Southern, Spear helped the Eagles win the 2014 Sunbelt Conference Football Championship with an 8-0 league record. In addition, Spear was instrumental in designing the new weight room in the Ted Smith Family Football Operations Center there at Georgia Southern as well. Prior to his time at Georgia Southern, Coach Spear spent 12 seasons at Sam Houston State where he began his tenure as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. And after one season at Sam Houston State, Coach Spear was elevated to head strength and conditioning coach and helped guide the athletics department to four Southland Conference Commissioner's Cup all-sports titles, 17 SLC championships, and seven NCAA Division I national playoff berths. In 2006, American Football Monthly Magazine recognized Coach Spear as the NCAA Division I FCS Strength Coach of the Year as his strength and conditioning program helped, helped play an integral role in the success of Sam Houston State football. 
Spear worked as an assistant coach in Northern Iowa before returning to his home state. And in addition, Spear worked with the Arizona State Strength and Conditioning Department before accepting a graduate assistant position at Baylor, where he would go on to earn his master's in education. A native Texan, Spear was a four-year letterman for Abilene Christian at defensive tackle. Today, in part one of our conversation, Coach Spear and I talk about his background and journey through the coaching ranks, as well as the daunting task of remodeling not only Baylor and Tulane's weight room facilities, but also overseeing the construction and renovation of facilities at Sam Houston and Georgia Southern. With all that being said, let's jump right into episode 31 with Coach Kyle Spear. Kyle, thanks for coming on the podcast. You're a, a guy that I've known for a while and, and always enjoy talking to, so I'm glad other coaches are getting the opportunity to get to know you a little bit and learn a few things from you today. Well, hey, Ty, I just uh, I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's an honor to be here and uh, talk to you, so thank you. Let's go back and start with a little bit with your background here. You know, I, I'm uh, pretty familiar with it, but you're, you're, you're from a small town in Texas, Marquette, Texas. I, I wouldn't know about it except that we used to drive through there on our way to our deer lease. Uh, we were going deer hunting. Um, but you started out there, and you, you go to ACU and play defensive line there at ACU, and, and now you're the strength coach at, at, at Tulane. So fill in the gaps for us a little bit on just your background and the game of football and how you jumped into coaching and all of that. Well, right, I, uh, I'm from Marquette, Texas. Uh population of 270 people and uh, when you drove through there you probably stopped at the beverage barn which is a drive-through place you can get ice and cold beer and bait and everything else that you would probably need now it's a small ranch community in leon county i grew up on a ranch and uh, that's my family is in the ranch business and uh, i went to leon high school which was uh, back then it was uh, district 23 2a um Graduated with 36 kids in my class. So, uh, small town USA. It's about 35 miles north of College Station, about 70 miles east of Waco, the intersection of Highway 79 and 7. And I grew up, um, like I say, on a ranch uh, in a river bottom, the Navasota River Bottom, um, you know, hunting and fishing and, and doing everything that you would do in a small town in Texas like that. Well, so Kyle, I can imagine growing up in a small town like that, you know, I'm sure the high school sports were big because that's kind of the main show in town. So how did you get involved with, with football there? Well, um, you know, like anywhere else in, in the seventh grade, you knew, you know, that you wanted to play football. And so growing up, it's really kind of what you were waiting on. It didn't matter what grade you were in. You just knew in, in seventh grade, you're going to get, you know, you're going to play football. And so, actually, in the sixth grade, uh, I guess the last six weeks, um, I played for Mike Hedrick, who, uh, by the way, just got his 300th win last last year. I believe he's the 11th coach in Texas to ever get 300 wins. Which wow. It's pretty amazing when you think about all the football that's been played in Texas and all the great coaches that have come through here in the last however long they've been keeping up records, you know, 100-plus yeah. years, whatever. But uh, in the sixth grade, he came and got us out of our uh, elementary or middle school PE class and said, all right, who wants to play football? Come with me. We went out on football fields for, I guess, the last six weeks and threw balls and caught balls and, and ran and did stuff. And he was basically just evaluating us to kind of see what he would do for the seventh grade. Looking back, our seventh grade led into eighth grade football, and, and he built the program literally – you know, from the seventh and eighth grade to feed into high school, it was all part of a design. What you did in seventh grade, you know, built into the eighth and, and so forth. And had great coaches that helped us, guys like uh, Randy Ewers, who I think just now retired last year, um, was one of my seventh and eighth grade coaches, and, and, and Bobby Barr. And then when I got into high school, um, had a man named Jeff Harrell, who uh, actually I think we were his second coach coaching stop ever uh he was a nose guard at uh louisiana tech and so he was you know very young and very impressive to me as a ninth grader and um kind of looked up to him he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and i actually in the summer 
uh, between my ninth grade and sophomore year. I trained with him and his wife uh, up at the field house. It was just us. And uh, we lifted and ran. He kind of was very influential uh, in in lifting for me. Not that seventh and eighth grade wasn't, but um, it was just me and him. And I, I learned a lot from him. And basically, he was just a, a young coach, and we were kind of doing what he did in college and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, my junior year, we had another a new coach come in. Coach Harold had left and move on. He eventually went to Palestine and. Had some real good teams there, Coach Adrian Peterson and stuff like that. But uh, had a man named Danny Tipton come in, and and he was another guy that was, uh, you know, big in the strength conditioning, and, and I lifted with him a lot. And then my senior year, had another coach, assistant coach come in, uh, a man named David Jones, who again was very influential in 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 training. So Coach Hedrick did a real good job of running our strength conditioning program. Uh, and the men that he hired, and he, you know, probably wasn't on purpose. It just kind of happened. Um, are all those three guys? I really uh, got in there and looked up to those guys, and were they all three of those guys influenced me a great deal. Not just in 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 weight training and football, but in life. And I think, you know, if I looking back on it, looking back on it, um, you know, the the high school the high school football coach and the junior high football coach, those guys have so much influence on the guys um, that uh, you, you might not realize at the time, even though you kind of do that. I don't know that the college coaches can necessarily touch. I mean, sure. Some of them can, and we do, and I know we do and things like that, but I think there's a, there's six years there. And I think it's that age that, you know, 13 to 18, where you're trying to figure out more about yourself. You know, when you get 18, 19, and 20, you're kind of you're kind of set up. Yeah. And uh, I think the college coach's influence can can be somewhat limiting. But uh, those high school, those junior high coaches had a major influence on me. And I look now at the way I coach and the way I do some things. Um, coach Hedrick's influence in that, and probably my personality with some of the stuff that you can I can see it even yeah yeah so you you from Marquet moved on and and uh, played football at ACU talk to us a little bit about what, what that was like well I played football at Evelyn Christian uh, I know they're FCS now but when I was playing they were division two and um, my numbers may be off but uh, when we signed I think there was 22 of us that signed in that class, and I, if I'm, I believe I'm right on this. Only two of us finished. Wow. Our, our eligibility there, you know, Division Two back then. I'm not sure how it is now. It was pretty dang cutthroat. Yeah. You'd have guys that would show up in the fall and go home for Christmas break, and they'd already been cut. And that spring, there was cuts after spring, and uh, you know, just um, scholarships weren't guaranteed at all, and so you had to produce and do everything right you know and and they'd get rid of your butt real quick and uh, it's not like now where you kind of get a guy and you're i don't know poor choice of words you're stuck with him you know yep so it wasn't like that but yeah. some good coaches there uh jack kaiser was my uh my line coach he's our defense coordinator and, and by that before i left there he eventually became our head coach and Great guy, um, um, just a, a good human being and a, a major influence on my life. Um, had an awesome strength coach, a man named Cliff Felkins. He's the he was the throws coach, and back then, uh, Division Two. You know, I don't know that very many Division Two schools had strength coaches. You know, a lot of time it was, uh, you know, just an assistant football coach. But we were very fortunate, Cliff was the throws coach at ACU, but he was also the strength coach for the football team and the track team. And uh, we were lifting in a brand-new weight room. We just opened it. Um, in fact, I was in the first group that trained in there when we went to two-a-days. And a uh, very nice weight room. But um, Cliff was a national champion uh, discus thrower. In fact, I believe he's one of the only – he's maybe the only um, – he was undefeated in his college career. 
um, throwing. Wow. He threw at um, UTEP and then, and also at ACU. In fact, when he threw at ACU, which was in the mid-'80s, um, they invited all the national champions, the Division II national champions, in the next week or so to go to V to, to go uh, compete at the uh, Division One national championships, and he went up there and won it in discus. So I think they quit doing it after that. <laughs> but uh, pretty impressive. And uh, but just a a great strength coach, great throws coach. He still is, like I say, he still is the throws coach at Texas Tech. But he was a great strength coach, and uh, I kind of I took to him. You know, whatever he said, do I did, and I I knew. I don't know. I you, you want to say early on? I knew early on in college I wanted to coach. Um, I was kind of do I want to be a football coach? Do I want to be a a strength coach? Uh, you know, at one point I kind of wanted to, uh, you know, go to a real small town in Texas and be the the boys' athletic director and the head football coach. That was my goal. Yeah. Kind of like what I'd grown up in, and then, uh, you know, got into college and and that changed, and I I knew that I wanted to be a strength coach. And so um, I had a real good relationship with Cliff, and he had told me, you know, hey, when I, you know, would stay after and talk training with him. And I, I, at some point, I told him, hey, you know, I want to be a strength coach. And he said, well, when you're done with your eligibility, he said, you can, uh, you can help me out, you know, and that's really what I did. I, uh, I got done my senior year. I played my, my last football game the week before Thanksgiving break. Uh, went home for Thanksgiving break, came back, and um, I was uh, basically the student assistant strength conditioning coach, which was really cool because it was just Cliff and me. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I wasn't an assistant by any means, but I, I was his I was his assistant. I was his right hand man as far as that went. And uh, he paid me. Um, the weight room was an athletic weight room till uh, I don't know five or six o'clock it uh, changed into a you know an open weight room for other students and so i would go up there uh, i seemed like it was around three o'clock and get ready for football and they would come in on train football and uh help with track and field and volleyball we started we started training those guys with girls a little bit and then um i don't know around six o'clock it, it would change over and, and cliff would go home and i would stay and close up at like 11 and uh, so I ran the gym. That's when I would lift and everything like that. And I, I got paid minimum wage. So it was a pretty good deal, I thought, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that spring, I uh, we had a line coach, Chris Thompson. He's the offensive line coach at TCU now. But uh, he was our um, offensive line coach, and I would help him in the spring, that spring. It was uh, just basically with drills and stuff like that and setting up stuff for him. In the summer, I did strength conditioning. Um, I worked the grounds crew to get paid, to, you know. And then um, when that fall rolled around, I got money from football to uh, I basically I cut up film. I washed clothes, uh, laundry two nights a week. I trade film. We had to trade film. So on uh, so after I cut the film up, I had the old uh, Super VHS. You had. Yep. Like a, a three deck machine and you put the cop the special teams or the, the, the main tape in and I had a special teams deck and an offensive deck and a defensive deck and it was you know, start, record, stop, you know, just special teams and then the offense. Start, stop, the defense, start something. So that's, I would cut up uh, game film like that. And I'd do that usually after the game and then on Sunday I'd get up and drive to uh Somewhere on I twenty, like if we were playing Tarleton or or A uh, and M Commerce or someone that way, I'd, I'd meet him somewhere along I twenty at a truck stop, trade film with another guy that was about my age, you know. Yep, yep. Doing it and um, just little things like that. Yeah. Um. So I got paid to do that, paid for the laundry. Um, had a girlfriend who is now my wife. We would help with recruiting. She would get uh, brown paper sacks and and draw footballs and write their names on them. We'd fill them up with candy, put them in their room, in their hotel room. We'd go pick recruits up from the airport, drive to Midland, the airport out there, or Lubbock, or Fort Worth, usually, to airports picking up guys. They'd give me a rental vehicle and a, and a uh, 
credit card and coach would always tell me, you know, Hey, kind of extra take, take Brooke out somewhere nice to eat after you drop the kids off. <laughs> so that was always good. Yeah. Well, that was always good. well, you mentioned, you've told me before, and we, we've had some conversations uh, over the years uh, just about coaching and things. And, and, and you've told me before that, um, you know, if you're going to give some advice to a young coach, it would be that, that the guys who, um, who are able to live like vagrants the longest are the guys that are going to be successful in this profession. And so it yeah. sounds like you embrace that as a young coach. And I guess just talk about the importance of coaches doing that, you know, especially nowadays, you know, and this has always probably been the case, but, you know, you're a young coach breaking in, you want to start at the top, right? You want to start with the glamorous job or of, of um, you know, being a on on the field coach, or if you're a high school coach, you want to be you want to be a varsity high school coach, right? But but there's some value in um, doing what you did, and that's scraping by to to make a living, to you know do all these different things that that aren't directly related to what you want to do. So I guess just talk about how important that is for young coaches to get that experience. Well, you know, someone did tell me that early on. You know, I, I would go and see people and stuff, and, and a guy very early on said, the guys that are successful in this business is a guy that can live like a vagrant for the longest. And at the time, I took it, I'm like, okay. And I just, I don't know, I, I kind of embraced it, I guess, a little bit, because I just thought, thought that that's how you have to do it. And um, that's what I did. Um, my advice to younger coaches are, don't be scared to do that. Not everybody can do that, um, but but that might be your path. In fact, if you want to know the truth, that's more people's that is more people's path is that than not. Yeah. You know, and uh, I just think that uh, you know you get the guy that uh, starts out at the top, and then he has to you know you know I hate to pick on Division One athletes, but if you're a Division One athlete, let's say you're a football player and you want to be a strength coach and so now you're an intern at your university and if you can turn that into a GA job at that university then good on you but at some point you're going to have to leave that school and what if you have to go to a division two or an FCS program or even a you know I don't know if you want to call it a, a, a group of five school well, you may really be really disappointed in a whole lot of things from the facility, the pay, the setup, the amount of teams you're having to work with. And I could see, and I do know where guys just get real disgruntled real quick and get out of it. Yeah. And certainly that's not everybody. Right. But if you take the guy who, you know, he starts out and he's given a little bit of responsibility and can grow that into more and every step along the way, he's improved his, I guess you could say, his place from his, um, the facility he's able to work with, maybe the caliber of athlete, um, obviously his pay. Um, I think he's a little more appreciative of the things that he gets and when he gets them. Yeah. And uh, certainly I don't think that's true for everyone. But for me, it certainly was. And I got to be honest, when I hire um, – assistant coaches you know i look to where the guy came from and what did he have to do to get in this position to where the uh his resume is um is on my desk and it you know it may not be the guy that was in division one the whole time and i'm in a division one school now but it might not be that guy a lot of it's got to do with who he's worked for and where he's been and references and do i know those guys and stuff but, um, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, the most recent strength coach that I hired, I hired a guy this last May. And if you look at his resume, he is from a Division two school, and he grinded his way to get into a position to, to be hired. And that was had a lot to do with it. Um, in fact, the guy that finished second to him uh, was very similar in nature and I knew both their references or a lot of the references for those guys and that helped too but I don't think it's a coincidence that both those guys um, their path to that interview was very similar yeah 
very very similar. Yeah. Yeah, and and, so, and I think that's an important thing for young guys to remember, and it's not something that that, that, that you necessarily want to hear. Um, you know, uh, I heard this said. I heard this said one time, and it kind of reminds me of, of your career and a lot of coaches' careers. Is that everybody loves a good story? It's just nobody wants to be a part of one. You know, right. we all love the story of the dude in the dark, you know, breaking down film while no one's looking and he's grinding right. and doing laundry, and now he's a D one coach. Like, man, that's an awesome story. Okay, now you go do that. Ah, oh, man, yeah. no, I just want to start right. At, you know, and so I, that's. I think that's. Uh, that's that's invaluable to have that have that experience, and I think that, yeah, kind of like what you're saying. If you're a young coach looking to get in, man, go find the job that that maybe no one wants, and make it uh, as as best as you can make it, and and just and, and people are going to notice, and you're going to get promoted uh, by doing that. No, absolutely, absolutely, that's a, the best experience that some people will never have. Yeah, and you'll look back on it at the things you had to do because we all sacrifice and. You know, stuff like that. It's probably an overused term, sacrifice. I don't know that I ever really sacrificed much. My wife has sacrificed a lot. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. Me, I'm doing what I wanted to do. So I don't, there yeah. wasn't a whole lot of sacrifice in that. She's yeah. the one that sacrificed. Yeah. Um, yeah, agree. Well, let's let's talk about, you, you talked about uh, kind of your, your beginnings and, and looking over your, your career up to this point. Uh, you've had some. You, you you've been fortunate to be in some great places, and now you're at Tulane. And and a lot of us saw that game the other night against Houston with the just a miraculous comeback. And 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 so everybody sees that. Well, now hit the rewind button and take us back to some of your stops and and maybe some highlights from those stops along the way that have really stuck out to you over the years. Okay. Um, when I when I got done at at ACU and graduated, uh, you know that's when the scary stuff really starts because, you know, I was out of school that I'd been at, knew everyone there and everyone knew me and was, I guess I was well-established as a young student assistant strength coach yeah. could be. And so I had to start applying for jobs. And uh, here's a little side note to that. The day before I had an interview for an internship at Arizona State, um, at this time our head football coach was Gary Gaines of uh you know odessa permian yeah, friday, friday night lights he yeah. was our head football coach and so i worked for him for actually five months great guy and i went into his office and i, I said coach Gaines, i need some help he said what do you need i said i need to interview i've got an interview tomorrow and i said uh i've never interviewed i don't know what to think and i know you've interviewed a ton of people will you help me and he said sit down and i you know i kind of wasn't expecting it right then i was expecting to say well Hey, come back this evening or something like this. Sit down. And he just started firing off questions. And so I would answer him the best I could, and he would stop and say, now, hey, you know, do this, do that. So helped me out a lot. But um, I started out at Arizona State. Uh, got an internship out there. as uh, unpaid. Uh, took a $2,000 loan out to, to go live out there for just over three months. And uh, – probably the best investment I ever made. You know, I know right now in strength conditioning, at least in college, the hot topic is uh, paying interns and all these unpaid internships. And you've got a group of strength coaches that say, you know, don't do that. That's crap. And you got these others that, you know, that say, well, you know, we don't have any money for it. And uh, at the time, I don't know if any internship was, that was paid. In fact, there just wasn't as many internships then as there are now, and I don't, and none of them were paid. I don't remember anybody with compensation. So I was thrilled, you know, Division two guy going to Division one school, Arizona State, um, you know, and uh, was that was big time. So I was thrilled to go out there, worked for a great strength coach in Rich Winter, who had a young assistant, uh, Luke Richardson, who um, ended up becoming the, the head strength coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Denver Broncos, and Houston Texans. He was a major influence um, in my life and career. Um, still is um, out then, out there. Uh, excuse me. Um, when we got out there, we knew it was a short thing. There were uh, there were three of us, and we knew we were competing for a GA spot. Luke had just been promoted from grad assistant to assistant, so we were competing for his old spot. 
and they were going to hire one of us. And um, after about a month out there, me and Luke become, had become pretty close at this point. He said, hey, uh, they're going to offer you this job, you know, when this is over. I was pumped. He said, hey, don't take it. I go, are you crazy? He goes, no, I don't mean don't take it. He said, let's see if we can get something different. I said, no, man, I love it out here. I said, I want to, you know, bring my wife out here and stay and, and be a GA out here. He goes, well, that'd be great. He said, but if we can go somewhere different, he said, you'll still have this place on your resume. It'll never leave. The things you've learned out here, he goes, yeah, you would learn more, but you can get a lot in three months. He said, go somewhere else to GA. He said, I'll try to help you. And so uh, he made some phone calls, and he called his old strength coach. Luke played at Kansas, so he called his old strength coach out there, a guy named Bill Maxwell, and uh, asked me if he had anything. Bill said no, but he'd keep his ears open. Well, the next day, Bill called him back, said, uh, I just got off the phone with my old assistant, who's now an assistant at Baylor, and they're looking for a GA, and uh, in particular, one that's done track. And so Luke said, well, I got a intern out here that worked with track a little bit, you know, at ACU. So the next thing I know, LeBaron Carruthers, who's the head strength coach at Baylor, is on the phone with me. And uh, I go out to I go out to uh, Waco uh, early August at this point and uh, get the job, get into grad school, and then uh, go back to fly back to Arizona finish it out, pack my stuff up and grab my wife along the way and uh, move to Waco. Wow. And um, so, you know, Coach Carruthers, Coach Coach uh, Kevin Steele was the head football coach there at the time. He's now uh, the defensive coordinator at Auburn, who we just played about three weeks ago. So it was good to see him. Um, but LeBaron Carruthers, great man, uh, great strength coach. Uh, his background, he was at uh, SMU back with Pony Express, those guys. He was Michael Carter's strength coach and um, with SMU. He was also uh, the New England, pa- New England Patriots and the St. Louis uh, Cardinals and then the Arizona Cardinals. And then he was the strength coach at Alabama when they won the national championship. I think that was 1992. Oh, okay. And so he's one of the pioneers in our field. You know, he'd been doing it since the late 70s. Yeah. And uh, just a great person. And so I went out there, and I was the head strength conditioning coach for men's track and field. And uh, and obviously helped with football. I also had men's tennis, things like that. Men's track and field was awesome. Clyde Hart, legendary track coach in Texas. Um, great guy. You know, they really let me come out there and call. I'll tell you what I did. I called Cliff. Cliff, what do I do? He said, don't screw them up, which was, <laughs> you know, great advice. Yeah. So I kind of went out there and got in with Coach Danny Brabham and stuff. So, you know, let's talk about this. And we talked out, and I wrote the program, and then they let me run it. And uh, we had some good success. We had the national champion 4x400 team, which uh, wasn't hard to do. You know, they, they kind of breed those out there. And then I had national champion 400 hurdler. Wow. And uh, so it was good. Um, so I got a master's degree out there. I was out there uh, about a year and a half. Um, uh, got a call one day from a guy um, from uh, University of Northern Iowa, a guy named Jim Kramer. And he had, my name was given to him by Bill Maxwell and Luke Richardson um, that I worked with track and field. And he needed an assistant strength coach to help him with football and to handle track and field. So I uh, flew out to northern Iowa and interviewed, uh, got the job, packed up my wife and apartment and, and moved to northern Iowa. Uh, Mark Farley was the head football coach out there. He's still out there. And uh, it was a great experience being out there. You know, it's your first full-time assistant job. So now you're you're really on your own. You know, the, kind of the old cliche is the hardest job to get is your first one. Yeah. So it was good to get that one. Um, wasn't out there very long. I, when I was out there, um, about six months into it, Coach Kramer was flown out to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs on a job interview for their director of performance out there. 
and uh, kind of told me before he left, you know, he was like, I don't know, you know, long shot deal, not sure how I feel about it and all this. And, uh, you know, but it's an honor just to be, you know, you got to be nominated for that job back right. then anyway. You don't apply. So he's excited about that. And so he went out there. Well, we didn't tell anybody or I didn't tell anybody. And while I was out there, the, uh, the head strength coach, Sam Houston, called me on the phone who I knew actually played football with in college. He was a senior when I was a freshman, Rusty Witt. He's still in it. And uh, he said, hey, I want you to come be my assistant. And I told Rusty, I said, well, Rusty, I said, I'm really happy out here, you know, with Coach Kramer and where I'm at. And I said, but I got to tell you, you know, he's on a job interview right now. And I said, if he gets it, it's, you know, it's out of college. And you know, I wouldn't have the opportunity to go with him. And I said, I don't think I'd want to stay here without him. I said, so I'll tell you what, I said, if he gets that job, I'll take it. He said, all right, let me know. So a little bit went, Coach Kramer got by, I said it was good, didn't know anything. And so I, I told him what happened. He said, all right. And so uh, he comes in one morning, he says, well, I got the job, I think I'm going to take it. I said, all right, Coach, I'm going to. <laughs> and, and so it was good. I think we left within a day of each other. Uh, so I went out to Sam Houston as assistant strength coach under Rusty. It was great. Um, it was me and him and 17 sports. Wow. And we were hitting it and getting it now. Yeah. And then I was there not quite a year. And uh, I've known Rusty a long time. And I've always known that Rusty's uh, had an affinity for the military. One day I come in from lunch. There is a card. We shared an office. Office was probably about 40 square feet. My desk was a lateral filing cabinet. <laughs> but uh, we shared an office, and I went to open the office door, coming back from lunch, and there was a card stuck in it, and it was a U.S. Army uh, recruiting office. And it said, uh, I turned it over, and it said, real proud of your decision, you know, handwritten on the back. And my heart sank because I knew what it meant. And so uh, Rusty came came back from lunch. He's probably five minutes behind me. And I was mad. I'm not going to lie. I was mad. And I said, uh, I looked at him. I said, you got something to tell me? He's like, what? And we were friends. You know, we'd known each other at yeah, that point yeah. for, I don't know, nine, ten years. Played together. Our lockers were close together. So we were very close. He says, what? I said, go ahead and say it. He looked at me and said, I joined the Army. And then I got madder. <laughs> now, was, now I knew it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got mad. And I was like, you know, what are you doing? Not the fact that he joined the Army, but the fact that, you know, he was leaving. Yeah. And he said, hey, man. He said, you're going to get an interview. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay. You know, so it's pretty selfish at that point because, you know, this guy just decided to uh, completely change the direction of his life by joining the military, which is just an awesome thing. And here I am worried about my uh, $22,000 a year assistant strength coach job. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I uh, went up to Coach Randleman's office, I don't know, a couple of days later. He'd already known about it. And I told him, I said, uh, I said, Coach, I said, I want to be the head strength coach. And I'll never forget. He said, all right, well, tell me about that. And so I just started talking to him. And so it was, you know, we interviewed over the, you know, I, you know, the truth is I've been interviewing for a year at that point. Just didn't know. Right, him. right. And so I talked to him. And we talked a long time. And then he, I remember he said, well, let's just see what happens. And I don't know, just a few days later got called in by the AD and talked to me and said, well, you know, Rusty's staying on till August at this point. This was early June. And he said, uh, we'll promote you in August. And I said, all right. So in August, 2003, I was the head strength coach of Sam Houston, uh, with coach Randall. And, uh, I was there his, uh, his last two years. And in 04, we were the, uh, made it to the semifinals lost to Montana in the semis and um, he retired the next day yeah yep but uh, it was good good
good first head job that I kept for almost 12 years. Well, no, I was out there almost 12 years. Um, when he left, hired uh, Todd Witten, came in, and uh, Coach Witten was good to me. Uh, let me run the program, which was great, and, uh, you know, kind of find my own way, which was really good. It, it didn't work out um, for him. And then uh, 2009, we hired Coach Fritz, and I've been with him ever since. And uh, at Sam Houston, we, uh, you know, went to two national championships, lost them both. Lost them both to my old boss, Jim Kramer, who at this time had gone on to North Dakota State. He's still there and uh, still winning national championships. Yeah, so, yeah. i got to tell you, if you, if you have to lose a national championship, I could think of no better way to lose it too than your 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 old first boss that ever gave you a head job. Yeah, yeah. Proud of him and all that he's done out there because that's a, a major accomplishment. Personally, I don't think he gets near the credit for that stuff that he deserves. Um, in my mind, he is probably the best football uh, strength conditioning coach out there. Was with Coach Fritz. We were out there till uh, through thirteen. 2014, uh, he got the head job at Georgia Southern, took me with him. Georgia Southern was in a transition uh, into Division One from FCS. And so uh, we were in a month, we started that transition year, that first year in. Uh, we were in the Sunbelt Conference and uh, we went undefeated in conference that first year. And uh, very proud of that, very proud of the way we. We went in there, and those guys, that program, you know, Georgia Southern, the history of that program is phenomenal. I'm not sure that too many programs have a history the way that school does. Yeah. And uh, what, a, what a great place to be. And then uh, the second year, which was also our last year in 2015, we uh, took them to the first bowl game and, and won it, won the Go Daddy Bowl, beat Bowling Green. Um, in 14, we weren't eligible for a bowl because of the transition. Right. Well, we would have went, but in uh, 15, we went. At that same time, he got the uh, opportunity to come to Tulane and brought me with him. And uh, we're going on uh, uh, year four right now. So we got here in 16. So this is our fourth season. We got here in January 16. This is our fourth season. And, uh, you know, last year we were the uh, – went took him to the Cure Bowl, first bowl game in a long time, and won it. And uh, still doing it, you know, trying to keep it going. And we're certainly headed in the right direction. And, and, and something I think that's interesting that, that, that I know that you got to do along those stops is uh, at three different places, Sam Houston, Georgia Southern, and Tulane, you got to actually help design uh, the weight room and the strength training facilities there. And I can just imagine that that's got to be really, really uh, exciting, but also probably intimidating and overwhelming. So talk about – uh, what that was like and what, in, what went into that. and Because uh, I'm sure that there are coaches listening to this who are going to be doing that in the future or may do that in the future. So what were some things when you were designing those facilities that, that you thought you had to have that were non-negotiables and some things that you that you made sure you included in those facilities? Sure. Um, a little bit of background on that. I was very fortunate at Baylor. Um, we did a uh, We did a remodel of the weight room when I was there. We uh, knocked out a wall between the training room, took over. They redid the training room. We knocked out a wall, took over part of the old training room, which, you know, redesigned in the weight room. Coach Carruthers' wife at the time was having a lot of health issues. And so when we kind of got word that we were going to do that, he kind of came to us GAs. There was three of us, two student assistants. I said, look, I've designed a bunch of weight rooms. It's awesome. He said, I'm going to give this project to you guys. Just, you know, do it how you want. Obviously, go through me, keep me updated, and things like this. He said, but this will be a great experience for you. And it was. And so we uh, we started calling vendors, you know, things like that. And so that's kind of how first getting started on it and, and really enjoyed it. Um, I remember Blair Prince at the time was working for Powerlift and, and uh, he came out, and we stayed up till I think, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, going through stuff. 
And so just a great experience. And I didn't actually see the Baylor uh, weight room come all the way through. I'd left before it was over with. But that kind of got my start on just kind of thinking about things. And then I got to Sam Houston, was in a weight room for a couple years that uh, had some challenges. You know, but it was it was it was my weight room. It was our weight room, and, and uh, we made it great. Then the opportunity came. We were going to build a new weight room, ten thousand square feet, and um, you know had a budget for equipment and everything. So I had to you know stay in the budget and learn about all that. And uh, I did that one. That was a good one. Still is a good room. And uh, yeah, that's kind of I guess you could say I cut my teeth on that one. Yeah. As far as going back and forth with, you know, with just dealing with the state school on, on buying equipment and uh, just the hurdles that you have to jump through, um, you know, and the, the business manager at Sam Houston, um, she gave me a hard time, but it was good. But I had to fight and uh, to get what I want. And eventually I did get what I wanted. So. That was a good weight room. It was a great weight room. Yeah. Let me interrupt right there if you don't mind. Like, what were some, I'm just curious, what were some things that you kind of had to fight for that you're like, no, we're going to have this. We have to have this if we're going to do it right. Well, uh, for me, it was racks and barbells. Um, my main priority, and it still is, is how many racks can I get in this room? And not, and, and not just fill up the room with racks, but how many racks can I get in this room and what I would call a, a coachable line, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause you can put racks in a square and maybe you can coach that way. You know, I've seen racks in a circle. Um, but I, for me, I like, I like lines. I like straight lines. And so I knew how long the weight room was and, uh, or how long it was going to be. And so when I called the equipment guys, I was like, look, this is how long it is. How many racks and platforms can I get in there? They said, well, you can get this many. I said, all right, we'll start there. Then as you start, you know, coming up with stuff, you got to start making cuts. And the last thing that I would ever cut would be a rack, yeah. which in that rack would include a, you know, an Olympic bar, a power bar, yeah. and bumps and everything. So you kind of got to, it's not just the rack, it's everything that would go on that. And so right. when I got done at Sam, where finally got finished, it, there were 10 racks in a row. And then, uh, you know, I had to have dumbbells, had to have pairs of everything, and then glued ham raises, things like that. Uh, machines were always the last on the list. In fact, at Sam Houston, the first phase of the weight room, which I thought would be the only phase, we didn't really, we didn't have machines in it. We just didn't because I didn't spend any budget money for it, and I didn't miss any. And then yeah. had a uh, had a real good relationship with the president that at Sam Houston and his wife and uh, actually my daughter at the time who was very young the the president's wife Miss Gatner kind of took a liking to Kendall uh, we ran into her at uh, Starbucks on some Saturday mornings like two in a row and so she was kind of hooked yeah and so it's relationships and so someone had come to her and wanted to give her a uh give Miss Gatner a donation for her to donate how she saw fit. It would benefit um, student athletes. And so she came to me and said, Kyle, I've got this sum of money and I'd like to give it to you to, to spend in the weight room. Wow. And so I was excited. And it was, uh, it, you know, as far as weight room money goes, it was not that much. And so I went to the athletic director and I said, Hey, if I could, and before I, before I even say, he goes, Hey, we'll double it. I said, okay. And now that not that much, you know, and believe me, I was appreciative, but you know, you know how expensive weight equipment right, is, right? but to do anything big in a weight room, it costs. And so when the AD matched it, now we were able to do stuff. And that's when we added uh, some hammer strength machines and things like that and yeah. really completed that room. Yeah. And so that was that weight room. So then you move on to Georgia Southern, and yeah. you're, you're in a school where uh, they are transitioning, you know, from, from FCS to uh, FBS. Um, 
and, and so probably a little bit different budget, a little bit different situation, it was. Uh, and probably well, you know trying to keep up in the arms race of of that conference. So what was that? How was that experience different? Yeah, so that was you know building that weight room was basically eight years later. And when we got to Georgia Southern, we got there in January, and in the end zone was a, a giant slab, a whole lot of uh, metal I beams. I'm not sure that there was much of a roof at the time. I can't remember. Um, but basically, there was concrete and metal. And so uh, I'd already, the first day I got there, I walked over there and looked at it because I knew, you know, it was a whole end zone complex and I knew it was going to be, a, there was a weight room in there um, just from talking with Coach before we even got there. So probably my second day there, um, I, I went and met with the AD, calls me in, and wants to meet with me. And, you know, we had a little bit of small talk for about two or three minutes. And then he said, look, obviously you've got this weight room. He said, you cannot change anything structurally. It's already done. And, I mean, it was. You know, posts were set and walls. I couldn't change up anything like that. And there's really nothing I would have changed anyway. He said, but here's your budget. Uh, you know, don't go over. Spend it wisely. And he said, what are you thinking? And he knew a little bit about equipment and stuff like that. He said, what are you thinking? And I kind of told him. He said, sounds great. I said, that's what I did. And, uh called up some people um, I'm a I love power lift equipment I think it's the best equipment made and uh, had a chance to do a power lift weight room called them on the phone and they came down and that's what I did build a power lift weight room outfitter Tell, so just and, uh, just for those of us who are listening and who may be getting ready to do something like this give it give us some reasons why you like power lift so much you know, part of it's the relationship I've had with those guys since uh, my days back in Baylor. You know, um, just to, you know, I was there and that's who I stayed up till, you know, three o'clock in the morning designing stuff with yeah. Carlet. They were a fairly new company then. And that's kind of how I got in with those guys. And then I didn't say this, but the weight room at Sam Houston that I originally designed was a power lift weight room. Well, when it got down to it, you know, at the end, it, it wasn't. And, and that's okay. I understand. But then when I got to Georgia Southern, I had the money. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I love the, I just love the look of the equipment. I love the way it's built. You know, it's uh, it's all seven gauge steel. You know, you couldn't bend it if you wanted to. It's well made. Um, you know, they come out of Jefferson, Iowa. Um, a lot of the, the earlier designers of that equipment and the guys that sell that equipment and have sold that equipment you know old college strength coaches so you know and it i'm not saying it hadn't changed over the years because they're they're uh, they're obviously always trying to innovate but to me the basis of how a power lift rack looks it's kind of always looked you know like that yeah and yeah. uh it was designed in my opinion you know by strength coaches for strength coaches yeah and i just have always uh you know i just I just think it's, in my opinion, the best equipment out there. And not that there's not some other equipment that's good, because I, I certainly believe that, too. And, uh, you know, I'm not married to necessarily any one brand, either. I've got, uh, you know, stuff from several different uh, uh, companies and things like that. But yeah. as far as my racks and, and things like that, I'm, uh, you know, power lift. Yeah. And so built a power, what I would call a power lift weight room. Uh, the machines that I did put in there at the time were hammer. Uh, iron grip dumbbells, you know, Alico bumpers, Alico bars, Texas power bars, had 14 uh, racks and platforms. Wow, 14. And, um, you know, yeah. several, you know, bunch of glued ham raises. Yeah. Neck machines, things like that. You know, the proximity at Tulane of everything is the best that I've been at. You know, there's a weight room. Uh, down the hall is the equipment room. You know, actually next door is the equipment room across the hall is the locker room across the hall on the other side is the training room outside that door is our smaller practice field and next door to it is our stadium yeah um, also our our academic stuff is in the same building above us are the coaches offices and the meeting rooms and then the, the cafeteria that the student athletes go to is um 20 yards down the alley oh wow inside nice. the stadium so yeah. It is absolutely a one-stop shop for the athletes, and and that's 
you can't put a price on that. Right, right. That's price. That is absolutely priceless as far as time saved. You know, because the other schools, you've got to take into account, hey, they got to get out of here. They got to get changed. They got to shower. They got to go to class or whatnot. And depending on where you are, that might be a longer process. Whereas yeah. at Tulane, you turn them loose, they're basically in the locker room. Yeah. And then they're, boom, gone. So. Yeah. It's re- it's really it's been the best as far as just proximity to everything. Now, was that something that, that you helped, you had a hand in once you got there, or was it already no, set up like that? No. Uh, Mac Brown built that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when Coach Brown was the uh, head football coach here in the late 80s, he was also the AD, and the word on the street was he designed the building. Yeah. So I don't know why that would not be right. Yeah. That's what I would always heard. And so – the weight room and the equipment room, the locker room, and the training room, to the best of my knowledge, have always been where they are now. Okay. Now, the stadium uh, was a track, I believe. And so I don't know if they practice inside that track or practice at the Superdome. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And then the, um, the cafeteria is something new that our AD, Troy Dannon, uh, got done uh, two years ago. The and it's just man, it's excellent, yeah. excellent cafeteria, best training table I've seen. And it's obviously it's opened up all students, but it's the one where the student athletes have to eat at. Yeah, right. And it, it's phenomenal. It really is. And then here at Tulane, we just got finished with a uh, weight room renovation. We raised the ceiling up four feet. We put windows where there weren't any previous. We knocked down an office and built it in another part of the room. And then we gutted it, um, all new equipment, all new floor, you know, more racks. And uh, we've now got 16 racks and platforms. And then, uh, you know, new dumbbells, new new everything. There's nothing in that weight room other than some of the specialty bars that I like Yeah. that are, that are old. And we just moved in. In fact, today they're hanging up the speakers. Oh, so, wow. Wow. Yeah, like we, we've just moved in it. And so that's again another power lift room. Yeah. And uh it's not broke, I'm not gonna fix it. Right, right. Very, very happy with it. But uh what a great uh you know, it's made possible by a couple major donors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, major gifts. And so that's been a, about a year and a half in progress from getting that designed, uh, and then just, you know, getting it done. Yeah. Wish it had it it had its own challenges. You know, I'll be honest, I think a new building is a lot easier than a redo. Right. You know, right. Just, you know, some of the stuff you have to go through. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, kind of like what you're talking about, when you first got in, um, you know, 20 years ago maybe, uh, the weight room was kind of, the, I guess the emphasis probably, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, what wasn't what it is now, right? I mean, and, and so I think that if you're going to, if you're a program that's wanting to be considered uh, you know, a legitimate program that's that's moving in the right direction, that's first class. Then one of the main things that you have to get right is the weight room tr- slash training facility. Is that is that? Would you say? Would you agree with that? No, absolutely. I mean, that's what the guys want to see. They're going to spend a whole lot of time in there. Yeah. You know. And, and, yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. When I got into strength conditioning, as far as getting the full time job, that's when kind of it seems to me, and I might be wrong, that the early arms race as far as weight rooms and facilities, which has not stopped, was kind of getting started as far as weight rooms go. Yeah. And if you notice, we've moved, you know, now that everybody's got a weight room, now they've redone them a couple of times. You know, you get a new head football coach. Right. You got to get a new, got to get new uh, equipment. Now that's shifting into locker rooms. Yep. And things like that. And so I don't know where the end is. I don't know if there is one. Uh, Yeah. But uh, yeah, I got in on kind of the early part of that. It seems to me, but it is in, you know, these guys are making decisions based off of what they see in a lot of ways. Exactly. Where you know they want to picture themselves. You right. Know, uh, where am I going to train? Where's my locker going to be? You know. Yep. And it's very, you know, very visual. You know, so. That will do it for part one of our conversation with Coach Spear. Be sure to tune back in Thursday for part two, where we get into Coach Spears' philosophy for training athletes who are in season. 
lifting on game days, whether or not one rep maxes are still relevant for today's athletes, and then we'll close with my favorite segment, Coach Spears' unwritten man law. So you definitely want to check that out on Thursday. Maybe check us out while you're on the bus headed to your sub-varsity game or uh, making some final game preparations for Friday. Anyway, our quote of the day is this. If you work hard enough, long enough, eventually you will be successful. And Coach Spear is definitely a testament to that. Coaches, have a great week. Good luck as you prepare for your upcoming opponent. Get those boys coached up and make sure you tell them Keep your pads down.